This morning, we start a brand new series that we are calling Out of the Box, Finding Truth in Paradox. If you look in your bulletin, you'll find, if it hasn't fallen out already, you'll find a postcard that looks like this. And really, this postcard is your roadmap for these next seven weeks. We've got the date and the topic and then the scriptures that are there. And additionally, if you want to receive those scriptures into your inbox, if you want that, um, and and you're not already receiving our weekly scriptures, uh, my email address will be there on the screen here in a moment. Just simply, if you want to receive those scriptures before the Sunday that we talk about those scriptures... And again, if you're not receiving those already, feel free to email me at this address and just simply put out of the box in the subject line. Don't have to put anything in the body of that email and we'll get you on that distribution list. And if you're already on that distribution list, you're good. There's no action that you need to take. You'll continue to get those. But we do this as yet another opportunity to to invite you to allow God's word to take root in your heart as you walk deeper into your own relationship with Jesus. So so this brand new series, we're going to wrestle with the paradoxes, the the tough questions, some of the tough questions that come out of Scripture. right? If, If I hit on just a couple of these right off the postcard, so for this week, how do we respond when God doesn't act in the ways that we expect? And then next week, why does God sometimes go silent in the times that it feels like we need him the most? And then after that, why can the Christian life feel like such a struggle? And it's my hope that, that by, by us wrestling with some of these questions on a Sunday morning, that we will help you rest, wrestle honestly with the questions that you have. That we, we show you how to bring your questions about God to God, and that in that process of wrestling, that you will discover more deeply who God is, and that you would be drawn into deeper worship. But here's the thing. Not, not all these questions that we're going to wrestle with over these next seven weeks have simple answers. And so it's going to force us to stand in attention of a God who invites us to know him, yet whose ways are far beyond anything that we can imagine. That really is the ultimate paradox that's here. Because God's invitation to you is not just to know him, but but not just to know about him, but to actually know him in and despite the mystery. Because the thing is this, when God starts to reveal himself to you, he's got a funny way of breaking out of the neat and tidy boxes that we have a habit of trying to put him into. So we'll bring you this series coming out of our scriptures, but then as a secondary resource, just so you know, our teaching pastors will be referring to the book Paradoxology by a guy named Chris Candia to help us think through some of these big questions. And so a great place for us to start this series is in the book of Habakkuk. Because Habakkuk has questions. He's got questions for God. See, see, normally the prophets of the Old Testament are are conveying God's message to his people. Yet Habakkuk is different. Habakkuk is actually a conversation with God. And Habakkuk's conversation is essentially, God, I, I don't get it. God, what are you doing? 
Because when, when I look around me and I see the situation that these people are in, things are pretty jacked up. This situation doesn't make any sense at all. God, this is not how I expected this to play out. I wonder if you've ever felt that way. I wonder if you've ever thought that same thing. When God acts in ways that you don't expect, it's exactly what what Habakkuk is all about and how Habakkuk can help us. And so Habakkuk chapter 1 Verses one through four help to get us started. And the scene here in Habakkuk one is that there is, there is huge turmoil that, that is building on the world stage. That there's this conflict between the world's superpowers that surround God's people. And as these superpowers wrestle for world domination, there is trouble coming for God's people. And there's turmoil happening at home within the land of Judah. Things there are not good. Habakkuk is looking around and seeing how how messed up his people are, and he turns to God. This is Habakkuk 1, starting in verse 1. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. vision. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed. There is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that, that justice has become perverted. And there are some great questions in here. Questions like, God, how long must I call for help? God, when are you going to step in? Why won't you fix this? Why won't you do something? Aren't you going to show up? God, why aren't you listening? Don't you care? But then when God says that he is going to step in, we see that in, in if we drop down a few verses in verse 6, starting in verse 6. God says, I am raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. They are notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. And it's almost like Habakkuk says, God, wait wait a minute, that's not what I meant. And so now Habakkuk has even more questions. Drop down a couple verses in verse 12. Habakkuk says this. O Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. O Lord, our rock, you have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins, but you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? Habakkuk is saying here, God, seriously? You're going to use these people that are far more more wicked than us, these Babylonians, to punish us for our sins? They're a hundred times more wicked than we are. The implied question there is, God, how does any of this make sense? I love the fact that Scripture does not candy coat these tough questions and the reality of this conversation. 
Because, because across the course of your life, you are going to have lots of questions. And the answers can seem like they come slowly if they come at all. And sometimes, just like in verses 12 and 13, we're not cool with the answers that we do get. In a room with this many people, there are many of us facing big questions in our own lives. I've shared with you this story before, but I'm going to tell you this morning the short version of it. A chapter out of my own life where I wrestled with the big questions and it was ugly. So this goes back 20 years ago. So 1999, which feels like, and it was forever ago. But that was the point where my family started to feel like God was inviting us to serve as missionaries overseas in some capacity. And that was a long road. It was a long process to get appointed to go. We had to raise a lot of money to go. We sold our house. We quit our jobs. We underwent extensive training. I think we moved probably six times within a three-year period. We moved to North Carolina in 2003. We moved to Costa Rica for language school in 2004. Then we moved to South America in 2005. And it was for us messy from the moment we stepped off the plane in South America. Didn't have a lot of direction there. There was not a good onboarding process for our team. We had a tough time with everything. We had a hard time trying to find a place to live. Cindy was eight months pregnant with Luke. We put Emma into a school that we were told was bilingual, and it wasn't. She was the only kid in the school who spoke English, no Spanish. She was a first grader. We had conflict with our teammates. We battled depression. And after a year and a half of that, we were talking to our, our organization's top leadership and, and thought that for the health of our family, we needed to come back to the U.S., we had felt like God had clearly spoken to us. We had, we had obeyed what he had asked us to do, and then the bottom dropped out. I, I, was, I was disillusioned with God, and then I was unemployed. And my response was anger. I can remember a time literally yelling at God when I was alone, God, don't you even care? God was not acting in the way that I had expected. When we left the U.S., I did not expect a crash and burn scenario, but that's exactly what it felt like. And I was asking the same kind of questions that Habakkuk asks. God, what are you up to? Except I didn't navigate the questions well, but Habakkuk does. And the thing that I need you to know this morning is this. How you choose to face the big questions, the tough questions in your life, that shapes how and even if you will come out the other side with your faith intact. Because in your questions, you can either run to God or run from God. Those are your choices. So let's see how Habakkuk does it. This is Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. 
It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. And so these verses help us with our own tough situations and tough questions for God. So what does it mean to wait well? Habakkuk is not ducking the questions. He's not sweeping them under the rug. He's not shrugging off the tough questions, but he, he's looking to God for his answers. He's being very honest with God. God, look, hey, I do not get this, so I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna wait on you. And Habakkuk waits with patience. I don't know about you, but for me, patience is hard. But we have to realize that God is not bound by my timetable or your timetable. As the timeless one, he is already in tomorrow. He's still in yesterday. What he has planned will happen. As our verses say, surely it will take place. And in that waiting, there's an opportunity to embrace our limits as human beings. I'm like seriously at the point that if you tell me something and I don't write it down, it is like out of my head in about three minutes. You go to the grocery store and you forget where you parked your car. And guys, it's tough to remember to put down the toilet seat. But yet in the face of the questions and the outcomes that we want to see, we can, we can think that we know best. That we know better than the all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere present creator and sustainer of all things. The questions that we face are big, are real, are scary oftentimes. But we have to acknowledge that we are, are incredibly limited. But God is limitless. Isaiah 55 says, his ways, his thoughts are far above our own. He is at work even when it feels like he's not. Can you see God's past faithfulness? We're gonna read this in a moment. We're gonna see this coming out of Habakkuk chapter three. Even though this situation is not how Habakkuk expects it to play out, Habakkuk looks back at how God has always been faithful in the past and he he looks ahead to God's future salvation. No matter what you are going through, no matter how tough your questions are, if you are a follower of Jesus, you know how the story ends. Revelation chapter 21 and 22 There is a happily ever after that is coming. You may not see it until the other side of glory, but God will make his home with his people. No more tears, no more death, no crying, no sorrow. Have you experienced God's ultimate provision through Jesus? No matter the underlying situation that is driving your tough questions, the death of Jesus on the cross for you demonstrates beyond question just how huge his love is for you. And that empty grave demonstrates beyond question his power. And then there's this. If you are unable to see God because your question is too big, 
right? It's so tough if you cannot see the kinds of things that Habakkuk is pointing us to. Is there a friend who can help you see what's true even if you can't see the truth? Find a friend. You do not have to wrestle with these tough questions alone. As a matter of fact, if you are wrestling with these tough questions alone, you are doing it wrong. There is a great beauty in grabbing a friend who can see God for you when you can't because the questions are just too big and too scary. For me, in my my story, my anger at God, I was unable to see what God was up to in a very difficult season in my life. But he was giving me insights. He He was giving me tools. He was growing my trust in him. That is what I needed to prepare to be a pastor some five years later. God brought clarity eventually to be able to see him in the midst of the pain, in the midst of those questions. He was acting in a way that I did not expect, but yet through that, he was moving me towards his purposes. Let's go back to Habakkuk 1 and look at what God says to Habakkuk in verse 5. The Lord replied, look around at the nations, look and be amazed. For I am doing something in your day, something you won't believe, even if someone told you about it. God says to Habakkuk, stand by to be amazed. Yes, I am working. I am working in ways that you can't even begin to understand. There is something that is taking place even in the here and the now that is just a ripple on the surface, but something big is coming. If we go elsewhere in scripture, God says in Psalms 8, I am the majestic one. In Isaiah chapter 5, I am the holy one who will be exalted by my justice. Colossians 1, I am the one who is the creator and the sustainer of all things. Job 38 and 39, I am the one who orders the universe. Acts 17, I am the one who controls nations. Isaiah 45, I am the one who controls rulers. Psalm 139, I am the one who created, upholds, and controls every atom, every molecule, every cell, every fiber. And so by the time we roll into Habakkuk chapter 3, Habakkuk has himself moved into full throttle worship. And that's how we're going to end this morning, in that same way, by by reading Habakkuk chapter 3. And so as Kyle Martin comes to read for us, my, my last question for you is this. Right, This aha moment that Habakkuk has in chapter 3 is because of his tough questions. Because of his big questions, Habakkuk gets to know God better. Because of his tough questions, Habakkuk is invited into deeper worship. And so my question for you this morning is this. Where will your big questions, your tough questions take you? This is Habakkuk chapter 3. This prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I have heard all about you, Lord. 
I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. I see God moving across the deserts of Edom, the Holy One coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens, and the earth is filled with his praise. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. The rays of light flash from his hands, where his awesome power is hidden. Pestilence marches before him. Plague follows close behind. When he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. When he shatters the everlasting mountains and levels the eternal hills. He is the eternal one. I see the people of Cushan in distress. And the nation of Midian trembling in terror. Was it in anger, Lord, that you struck the rivers and parted the sea? Were you displeased with them? No, you were sending your chariots of salvation. You brandished your bow and your quiver of arrows, and you split open the earth with flowing rivers. The mountains watched and trembled. Onward swept the raging waters. The mighty deep cried out, lifting its hands to the Lord. The sun and moon stood still in the sky as your brilliant arrows flew and your glittering spear flashed. You marched across the land in anger and trampled the nations in your fury. You went out to rescue your chosen people, to save your anointed ones. You crushed the heads of the wicked and stripped their bones from head to toe. With his own weapons, you destroyed the chief of those who rushed out like a whirlwind, thinking Israel would be easy prey. You trampled the sea with your horses and the mighty waters piled high. I trembled and sighed when I heard this, and my lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me, and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the the people who invade us. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there is no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails, And the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights.